This is The Industry. A show built by the working class for the working class. If you have a job, this is the podcast for you. Here is your host, Levi Jett. Welcome back to the industry. My name is Levi Jet. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, folks, we did it. Um, we popped the big balloon in the sky. Uh, that's not a euphemism for anything. Um, literally what happened over the weekend, a Chinese weather balloon, uh, which was later deemed a Chinese surveillance balloon, uh, was allowed to fly from Alaska all the way through Canada through the heart of the country, out to the East Coast, and was promptly uh, taken out over the Atlantic Ocean. Um, crazy. And, I don't know, what's cool about it, I guess, is that <clears throat> it was some entertainment for your Friday and your Saturday, if you were paying attention. Um, and it was also something to talk about. Over the weekend on Sunday, too, because the Pro Bowl, uh, the NFL Pro Bowl, has been reduced to a flag football game. A big tickle fight is what it pretty much is now. Now, not to take away from, you know, the original tickle fight it was anyway, because no one tried in a Pro Bowl game. But they've admitted what it was, and... It is now a flag football game with other competitions anyway, but the balloon was way more entertaining. Um, now, on on the one hand, uh, it's a little bit scary, right? I mean, China's making some pretty aggressive moves. Um, and for any of us out there paying attention to that and other things, um, you have to be a little concerned. Uh, and, you know, you, you, see, you see people, or I guess you hear people talking about how, you know, what can China really gain from a reconnaissance balloon that they don't already have with satellites. And uh, my take on this is simple. It has nothing to do with actual surveillance, right? This was nothing more than a probe designed to see how we would respond, how we would act, how far that balloon would be able to travel. Um, that's the reconnaissance that it did was to show China, you know, really just a a live exercise of how we would handle a situation like that. And what China found out was that, you know, the powers that be will let it fly over the entire country. Um, I know that the, the narrative was that if you shoot it down over a populated area, there could be some collateral damage. Um, 
two thoughts. One, when you saw it come across Canada into Montana, I've been to Montana. There's nothing out there. You had hundreds and thousands of miles to shoot that down. And, you know, after Montana, I think it went to Idaho. Then it came across like Nebraska and Kansas. Are you kidding me? Four states in a row, you could have shot that thing down. And honestly, no one would even probably realize that it was shot down. Like you would have probably landed in some field. But instead, it's shot down over water. Which, I'm not a genius, but... I would think that water and uh, whatever is on that balloon that runs off of electricity, I don't know. Probably not going to be the best thing for that. Um, but anyway, you know, just some just some crazy stuff going on, really. Um, didn't really expect to expect to walk into Friday. Um, <laughs> with everyone trying to see this little balloon. And it, it, it's funny hearing everybody talk about, you know, trying to shoot it out of the sky themselves with a pistol or a shotgun or an AR-15 or whatever you got. And it's like, what do you, it's 60,000 feet in the air. Like, you're not going to shoot it down with anything. That's absurd, ridiculous. But it did catch everyone's attention, um, and it gives us, uh, gives our politicians so much more to debate and discuss, which, and I'll stop talking about this in a minute. If, if, if you want to hear more of my take on this, come to the dark side, join us on After Dark, and uh, I'll be talking about this for hours. But the thing about it is something as really insignificant as that because if China wanted to do something really aggressive, they could do something really aggressive. Um, but something this small, instead of us like coming together as a country and celebrating that, you know, we were able to take this down and I don't know, kind of realign our focus on where it should be. No, we're back to, not back to, where we never left, you know, squabbling, bickering, bitching back and forth um, about, you know, how it should be taken down and what it really means and who's at fault. Now they're saying that, you know, balloons were allowed to fly over the country when Trump was in office. And then they reneged on that and said, no, actually, Trump didn't know about it. Um, but, you know, just smoke and mirrors instead of answers. That's what we're getting out of our government right now is smoke and mirrors instead of answers. But I digress. Um, so weather this week, let's talk about weather. We go from weather balloon to just weather. Um, it's beautiful in the Midwest. I, I don't know where you are, um, but this week is 40s and 50s. Uh, some chances of some rain, but by and large, uh, it is great weather for February. Uh, as we get closer and closer to the middle of this month, uh, really starts to make you question 
how many more chances do we really have for snow? Um, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not going to act like spring starts March 1st. Um, and typically February, March, stormy months. And the majority of those months, we in the Midwest usually fall in that cold sector of the storm still. But, but there is, there's been plenty of years where the snow machine really kind of stops right around the first of March. And it's some rain, it's some, you know, seasonal temperatures, but, you know, just, just warm enough to prevent snow and ice from happening. And so if, if you're a provider out there, um, you know, I'm sure you're wondering how many more plowable events you have, how many more de-icings you have. And my message to you is really simple. Um, in the beginning of the season, you know, I often talk to, to my guys and, you know, my team at Caliber too, you know, about a one and O concept, one and O mindset, you know, don't look at the entire season and wonder, you know, how many storms you're going to have, um, how many chances you're going to have to prove yourself Take each one, one at a time, and focus on that. Focus on making it the best that you can. And try to, quote-unquote, win the storm and go 1-0. and oh. And, you know, that's really the, the mantra continues as we um, get closer and closer to spring. A 1-0 and oh mentality. Um, but if maybe you haven't done so well this year, uh, you've had some issues, you've had some problems arise, you know, now is the time to, you know, really make sure that everything is in order, um, to handle whatever is coming next. Uh, as I said, you know, you're running out of time to um, show a customer kind of what you're made of, you know, to show a customer they made the right decision by hiring you. And if you've had a couple of hiccups, a couple of failures, whatever, um, you know, you may really be running out of time to kind of reverse that narrative and to show them, hey, no, no, no. You hired the right guy. We just had a couple of small issues. And the biggest thing about it is just don't make the same mistake twice. Um, most people out there are pretty understanding when it comes to a mistake here or there. Uh, let's be honest. You know, not a lot of people are going to jump down your throat because, you know, you made one mistake at one location during one storm. Um, that's easily forgiven. It's when you make the same mistake storm after storm, or you always have an issue with one location in particular, that's when it starts to become an issue. That's when the customer realizes, hey, 
not sure what's going on, but there's a bigger issue here. It wasn't that, um, I don't know. It wasn't they forgot to do this area or didn't know about it or, you know, like it, it's deeper than that. <clears throat> and so here in a little bit, we're going to talk about um, the different excuses that we often hear from providers and kind of how that translates. Because I, I think it's very important to, uh, to, you know, to let providers know, hey, um, it may sound good in your head, but what is that excuse really, um, really conveying? And it, it's not going to be what you think. Um, trust me. So we will discuss that a little later in the episode. Uh, chat GPT. Um, that's still around. And I used it last night to build an awesome LinkedIn post. It was able to do it in about 10 seconds flat. Um, I wrote a very, very specific question or not question, uh, prompt or demand. You know, as I said, write me a LinkedIn post, um, explaining the importance of communication between service providers and customers during a snow event. Very, very specific, right? Um, so again, in 10 seconds, it spit out a four, like mini paragraph, uh, post. And it was pretty good. I mean, if you haven't used chat GPT, what are you waiting for? I'm dead serious. This week, to all the listeners out there, this week, make carve an hour out of your week, whether it's during the week, weekend, doesn't matter. Take an hour. Search OpenAI Chat GPT in Google. Follow the link to the OpenAI website. Set you up an account. It's free to use. And play around with it. Um, literally ask it anything you want. Um, or have it, you know, build something for you. Have it just, just mess around and see what its capabilities are. And to figure out how to use this tool. Like how this tool can best suit you. Because I truly believe that, you know, whether it's a tool for your professional life or your personal life, maybe a little bit of both, uh, ChatGPT is, it's the bee's knees, you know, um, it's just awesome. And I'm not saying to go out there and plagiarize uh, and, and, and steal everything that ChatGPT gives you. Um, but you can sure as hell use it as a template. 
you know, you can sure use it as a baseline to build something else. And there's nothing wrong with that. And plus, the best part about it is it saves you time. That's the biggest thing about it is it saves you time. If you have to write a report or an essay or an outline or a business plan or a marketing plan, or you have to build a new process or um, anything, you can um, you can use Chat GPT. And again, it will do it in a matter of seconds. And it's, it's cool to watch it work because it's not that you type in a prompt and then 10 seconds later, it gives you this full thing. No, what's cool about it is like, you see it, type it out. So it's as if the AI is thinking as it's writing it out. And that's kind of the coolest part to me is that again, because the quality is there. Um, the, the answers you get for things, there's some depth to them. The time is there. It, it, it's just cool. I, I can't, um, can't say enough about it. And if you're, again, if, if you're not using it, making a big mistake, um, this isn't social media. This isn't, um, you know, typical stuff and trendy stuff that you see online. Um, so if you're not a social media person and that's your reason for not testing this out, don't worry. It's not social media. Um, what it is, is just a, honestly, a revolutionary tool. Um, and the people who figure out, you know, the best ways to use it, are going to make money from that. You know, I'm positive that there are people out there making money from it right now. You know, I mean, whether it's maybe they have a daily blog and, or maybe they've, um, are on Fiverr, you know, to, as a writer. Well, their job has got a lot easier. So, Um, all right. This is something that is really starting to get under my skin. Um, I mentioned this this last week, the week before or something. I mentioned it on LinkedIn. Guys, get logos, get branding, get your names onto your trucks and heavy equipment. It is honestly embarrassing the lack of marketing for snow companies and land companies. I was out in central Illinois yesterday. Went from Springfield through um, to Champaign and Urbana areas. And then the week before, I was out in Terre Haute, Indiana, and Danville, Illinois.
I'm at a complete loss. I was driving around to try to find some, you know, new potential partners to work with, you know, hoping to see some, some landscaping trucks or really, you know, some snow trucks, um, just out and about driving around or at the gas station, you know, or at a hardware store or a farm and garden store, landscape supply store, whatever. And it must have been a bad day because I really didn't see anybody anyway. But what I did see is equipment staged in various parking lots for snow. What I didn't see was the name of a company, a phone number, a website, anything. Nothing. Which to me is just, it's so irresponsible. You're in business to make money. You're in business to grow. Part of growth is advertisement. So, you know, why aren't you using that free opportunity to advertise? Now, I I understand some customers might not want some, you know, big gaudy sign draped over, you know, your equipment that's parked on their site. But it doesn't even have to be that because someone looking for you is going to come up to the, you know, right to the equipment and look. So it doesn't have to be that big. You know, I'm serious. Go to Vistaprint. Vistaprint.com. Or I'm sure a hundred other websites do the same damn thing. You know, take your company logo, jot down, um, you know, some of the services you offer, some of the lines of service, and get something made up. Something. And start putting these on your vehicles, on your equipment. Um, because again, like it's, it's just free marketing and I, I just don't understand why you wouldn't do that. Like, okay. When Papa John's brings me pizza, Papa John's shows up with the, uh, you know, the Papa John's symbol on the roof that's all illuminated. Everybody in the neighborhood knows I ordered Papa John's if they're paying attention because they see the car with the light on top. And it's happened to me before, right? Neighbor five houses down the street orders Papa John's. You know, I'm out in the garage or out in the yard or something like that. And I see it and I go, man, pizza doesn't sound bad. Now, I know that, you know, you can't make the exact same argument for snow removal. You're not going to sit there and, um, you know, see 
a snow truck or a landscaping truck and be like, mm, landscaping does sound pretty good. No, but the point is that every time someone sees the name of your company, line of service, and they're able to see, you know, your truck plus everyone other or all the other trucks that work for you driving around or again they see your equipment it's free advertising and to me it it begs the question like why wouldn't you because i i guess that's my question more than anything is not necessarily why is it not on there it's the the mindset of why are you not because it almost seems intentional and that's that's kind of my question about it people that tend to offer a service of some sort um in an unmarked vehicle, usually not on the up and up, right? Like that's, that's usually not a, uh, usually not a good thing. I mean, drug dealers do their business in unmarked vehicles. Um, so again, like I'm, I'm not sure why you would do that. Maybe you don't want to take credit for the work. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe you don't want people to understand, you know, know who your clients are. Uh, maybe I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm grasping at straws. I don't know. But what I do know is that people are just throwing money away because of the, Again, the lack of advertising that they could be using. If these same companies, if these same companies are spending money elsewhere on advertisement, they should be kicked in the face. If you're spending money advertising on Facebook or Google or the local newspaper or however you're trying to get your name and image out there, but you fail to have signage on your trucks and your equipment, what the hell are you doing? Honestly, what are you doing? It just, again, it just makes no sense whatsoever just having that free advertising and these same guys I mean you know you should always have a you know a pretty big stack of business cards to carry around in case you do meet somebody that ends up you know somehow inquiring about your service But you really have to make an effort when it comes to marketing. But brand recognition is real too. 
the more they see your name, how the logo looks, the color scheme. It is ingrained in your mind. I mean, you know, think about Taco Bell, McDonald's, Pizza Hut, um, Verizon Wireless, your favorite sports team. Those are all logos and color sets and fonts that are seared into your mind. You're never going to forget them. Now, of course, I'm not saying that your land and snow company um, is all of a sudden going to have the same clout as, I don't know, the Chicago Bears because... You know, you went out and put a decal on your door. But what I am saying is that if you're a provider in a small city, it is in your best interest to saturate your market with your image and your brand and your color so that people in that area, they they know you right up there with all the other top businesses in town. So much so that if they ever need land or snow services, you're the first person they think of. And it's not even a question. It's not even, you know, that that's what it is. You are the first person they think of. And a lot of people out there, um, especially millennials, they don't want to shop around. That's something that, and we'll, we'll talk to Dan about this, um, next week and get his take. Cause I know, you know, him and I are both on kind of the end of, the, I say not generation, but just, you know, the group of people that, that enjoyed or were even able to haggle, to haggle a price, um, or, you know, to really, really shop around for, for different numbers. And you, you don't really have that anymore because, well, everything's online and it's a set price. And so it's kind of taken the, um, that part of life away. So as a generation, millennials, you know, they don't, they're not interested in, in haggling. They're not interested in calling around for the best price. They're interested in, okay, what is it? What do you offer? Get it here now. So that's why that branding is so important. Because you have to think, you got to think ahead. 
You might be selling and networking and partnering with, um, you know, baby boomer generation or generation X right now. But, um, the millennials are coming and you need to know how to attract them through your advertising. So that's all I'll say about that for now. Uh, but I, I have a, I have a feeling that this is going to be a recurring theme on this program because just so many people out there just, they don't, they don't see it. They don't understand it. And I, I, I don't understand how they can't understand it. You ever have that? You ever have something that is so apparently obvious to you and that isn't even on the radar for somebody else? And, you know, trying to connect those two dots can just be the hardest thing ever. But we're going to step away for a few minutes and check in with the WeatherWorks team. And we'll be right back after the break. Thanks, Levi. I'm meteorologist Michael Prianti, a consulting meteorologist here at WeatherWorks and a producer for the Weather Lounge podcast. Today is February 6th. Well, a lot has certainly taken place over the past week, from the groundhog seeing a shadow to an ice storm in Texas and an Arctic blast pummeling through the Northeast just this past weekend. Let's go over it all. First off, the groundhog, of course, last week, Punxsutawney Phil in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, saw his shadow, which means another six weeks of more winter on the way. However, for places up and down the 95 corridor, winter has been pretty lackluster. So to say six more weeks is certainly a bit tough, but of course, the winter season does end officially, at least by the calendar standard, in March. A fairly potent winter storm system moved from Texas to Tennessee last week, and it brought a lot of issues across those states, including power outages, with over 300,000 residents and businesses without power across Texas. That's all because of a swath of sleet, snow, and freezing rain. Disrupted thousands of flights, over 4,000 delays, and of course, almost 2,000 cancellations, and hundreds of accidents thanks to treacherous roadways. And finally, we have an Arctic blast that pushed through the Northeast last week on Thursday into Friday, left many places well below freezing into Saturday morning. Places up in New England saw temperatures right below zero in the negative values, and that wind didn't make anything feel better as the wind chills were in the double digits below zero. And if you were on Mount Washington, you probably saw the worst of it as they recorded a wind chill of negative 108 degrees Fahrenheit, which broke the national record for the coldest wind chill, which was set back on Mount Washington back in 2004 when they saw a wind chill of negative 102. So what can we expect here in the Northeast this week? Well, unless you're in the highest elevations of Pennsylvania, New York, into western Massachusetts, upper New England, 
Not a whole lot on the wintry side, though a couple spots could see a wintry mix late on Tuesday into Wednesday. But temperatures are going to be warming for most of the I-95 corridor in the 40s and 50s through the week, with even some areas getting to the 60s by Friday. Back to you, Levi. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much to the WeatherWorks team for another fantastic update for weather for the week ahead. <clears throat> Can never say enough about the partnership there and the work that they do to to help us out and to help you out. Um, so I kind of alluded to this in the beginning of the show. I wanted to touch on um, provider excuses. Excuses we hear often um, during events, and it, it's not it's not limited to to snow providers. It it, it also um, happens with landscaping providers too, or sweeping providers, or really just anybody out there um, that falls into a service provider category. And, you know, when these excuses are given and then what the customer hears when that excuse is given. So I've got some excuses um, written down that we'll kind of kind of walk through. So the first one, pretty common, uh, the equipment breakdown or. Maybe the equipment isn't ready. So this is, again, pretty self-explanatory. You know, maybe um, maybe a plow failed. Maybe a piece of heavy equipment, um, you know, has something where it's just not operable. Um, something failed. Or again, you know, maybe it's an early season or a late season storm. And for some reason you had uh, plows off of your trucks. And so you were kind of caught with your pants down. So that's the first one. Next one, spontaneous weather event. So this is, you know, maybe um, there was a a chance of of a snow shower or something, no accumulation though. And somehow, it was able to tap into a little bit uh, more moisture. There was more available moisture than meteorologists thought. And so now all of a sudden, this chance of snow shower actually, you know, is able to drop a quick inch to two inches of snow as it moves across. And so, you know, you weren't ready for it because you didn't see it coming. Um so that would be the spontaneous weather event. Next one's going to be weather acted differently than forecasted. And this is more of a, there's a storm coming. Um, not just a chance for a snow shower. There's a storm coming. And that storm either underperforms or overperforms. Or maybe it's, um, maybe there's an element of freezing rain during the storm that again, you know, we didn't think was going to happen. Uh, maybe it was eight inches of snow, but it ended up being, you know, five inches of snow and a quarter inch of ice, which is ultimately going to really impact, um, 
how you're able to service that location. Next one, personnel issues. You know, guys out sick. Um, maybe somebody got fired. Um, you know, maybe you know, guys are just, you know, just no call, no show. You know, I, I mentioned this back around the holidays. You know, that's always a um, interesting time of year for snow removal is your Christmas and New Year's holidays. You know, Thanksgiving too. Um, but Christmas, New Year's especially. And, I mean, we got one coming up, Valentine's Day. You know, a lot of guys want to be doing right. And, um, you know, if there's a big Valentine's Day storm and they got plans, now they got a decision to make. What way are they going to go? But personnel issues, again, this is this is something that's um doesn't matter the industry. You know, it doesn't have to be snow. This can be land, this can be restaurant, this can be anything. New personnel. New personnel is interesting because um you know you kind of want to celebrate new hires. Um, but in this kind of regard it's looked down on a little bit because it suggests there's turnover um, instead of growth. So new personnel, you've got to train them. They've got to learn everything. Um, new personnel is hired in February. You know, they've kind of got to be briefed on how the whole winter has went down for whatever sites they're now responsible for. Salt supply issues. Salt supply issues. So, again, like this is kind of a time of the year sort of thing. So maybe your initial salt delivery was delayed somehow. So you were kind of slow out of the gate and didn't have material um, for some early events. Or, again, you know, maybe... You have it ordered to where a delivery comes once a month. And again, you know, there, there was a logistical issue or um, maybe a payment issue. Who knows? And you weren't able to have the material needed as, um, as the storm started. And, you know, we can, we can talk about this list of excuses all day long and we can add to it and we can take away. Um, but they all say the same thing once they become repetitive. And what they say is you're an amateur. That your firm is some Sanford and Son, you know, looking, um, you've got the worst equipment in town, your trucks are falling apart, uh, you, know, you can't take turns too fast because, you know, the frames rusted all the way through your truck, and if you do, you know, the cab's going to go one way, the bed's going to go the other, 
Um, you know, I mean, all, all, all of your equipment leaks, you know, all the, um, essential fluids to keep it going. And, you know, that's, that's kind of what you're, what you're telling people. You know, when people hear that the equipment's broken down, that's the first thing that pops in their head. Well, they must have shitty equipment. If your equipment's not ready, well, they must have shitty readiness. You know, the, 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 the stuff with weather. It's either A, you're not professional because you're not ready for the weather. It's winter. The temperatures are there. Why aren't you ready? Or again, you know, does this person have a weather service they use like WeatherWorks? Or are they doing the same thing that I am as a customer and watching the local news? Because, uh, you know, a weather, a professional weather service is going to help your hour by hour planning of a storm. It's going to tell you, you know, when you need personnel on site. Hell, WeatherWorks will even send you an email telling you, you know, what time you need to put de-icer down. But if you're continuously getting caught off guard by weather events, it would suggest to some that maybe, you know, you just, um, again, you're not professional. You're an amateur. So when you're an amateur, when you're doing something semi-professionally, what it does is it makes people like me mad. And because now you've put me in a position. So the choices I have. Do I defend the provider by presenting more evidence that corroborates the excuse? Or do I admit that the provider we vetted, that we've trained, and that we trust is actually a semi-professional amateur posing as a legitimate snow provider that is really just a hack job provider. That puts me in a tight position and not just me, tons of other people. You can take the management company layer out of it. Because the customer is still asking those same questions to themselves regardless. What did I do? Was I really, did I really miss this bad? That I hired these people? Or are these people, you know, just really that bad? 
Or again, hey, maybe maybe they've had a bad string of luck. Sometimes that happens. But more often, if it smells like shit, if it looks like shit, it's probably shit. And the point here I'm trying to make is relatively simple. Don't make the same mistake twice. The excuses all sound the same, and they all point to the same thing. Underprepared, under-equipped, semi-professional, amateurs. And for provider out there, it might be a little um, hot under the collar by some of these, because maybe some of what I'm saying hits close to home. I'm not um, allowing management companies to walk from this either, because, you know, they have a role in this too. There are some very semi-professional amateur management companies out there that, you know, their excuse book is, is four inches thick. So it's not just the provider. Everyone plays a role. But when... It's actually the provider having the issues and not just a management company, um, you know, pulling something out of their backside because they don't have a site procured and they're trying to tell something to the customer, you know, that they've already blown through three or four of your best excuses because the site's not covered. And once they get a provider in there, and now you have a mess up, now you have something go wrong, and they have to, you know, roll out that same excuse again. You know, you see where I'm going with it. What's the solution? Solutions do your job the right way each time. It really is that simple. Do your job the right way each time, every time. Plan contingencies for when there are issues. We all know there's going to be issues. It's snow removal. All jokes and all kidding aside, there are a lot of variables. A lot of variables. In the snow removal game. And, you know, if, if one of those variables, again, is just, I mean, is off. If, if something changes, you know, it can be a big deal. It can cause a lot of issues. And if you're planning contingencies for when there are issues, you'll be able to save yourself 
so that there's not a break in service. You have to look at it from a perspective of how do you deliver service during a worst case scenario for your company. And even if you are not able to deliver service, maybe you have a friend or a trusted partner, a colleague within your market that can help you during some tough times to help you make sure that your site still receives service because at the end of the day, that's what you signed up for. And I can guarantee you the deal that you make with a competitor down the street is going to be a sweetheart deal compared to the deal that would be made if a management company had to come in and save your ass. Well, I take that back, right? It's not saving your ass. It's saving, I guess, themselves for that customer. Because, you know, once it becomes apparent that you can't service, you have no plan, then it's not that the ties are severed, but it's that, okay, there's no point in me talking to you for the rest of the storm then. Because I still have to get the site service and that part's never changed. So... Planning the right way is going to save you. It's going to save you from having to roll out all these excuses time and time again. And if, if this did hit close to home, then I want you to do you know, some, some thinking. I want you to really, I don't know, take a, take kind of a deep dive and answer the question of why are you in snow removal or landscaping? Why? If your main play is to roll out excuses and you're constantly having to rob Peter to pay Paul. And it's just, you know, what, what customer am I going to give the excuse to today? That's no way to do business. No way at all. You know, and maybe Maybe it's something where, you know, you need some, need some coaching or consulting to, 
to show you a better way. And there's tons of resources out there um, as far as training and consulting. You know, you need help with sales? Neil Glatt. Yeah, look him up on LinkedIn. He does tons of trainings for sales. And I've been to his sales training and it's awesome. It's not just sales. It's so much more, but it's worth the price of admission. You know, Jet Facility Consultants offers training and operations resources, um, coaching, consulting to, to help your snow and landscape business. So there are tools and resources out there to get better. Because the last thing, I don't know about you, but the last thing I would want for me personally is to spend 70 hours a week working a job, putting all of my time and effort into it, month after month, year after year. Feel like I'm doing an okay job to be told I'm an amateur, to be told I'm semi-professional just because I don't have all the tools and resources that I need or just because I don't understand the, the bigger picture. I'm never one to discredit or discount effort. Effort and a failing result is still effort. All right, guys, that about does it for this episode of the industry. Make sure that you uh, look us up on Facebook. Give us a like and a follow there. We greatly appreciate it. Um, also, you know, spread the word about the podcast. Um we're still doing great in our listenership. Uh, just want to keep growing that, you know, keep want to keep growing the audience week after week after week. Um, so again, thank you for joining this week and uh, be sure to check us out on the industry after dark as well. Um, we kind of, you know, drop a little bit of the, the snow talk and stuff and just kind of talk about, um, you know, just, just anything, current event, politics, sports, betting, whatever. Um, but this week we'll definitely be talking about, uh, the Chinese weather balloons. So, all right. Thank you so much for tuning in and until next time, we'll see you. Thanks for listening to the industry, a show built by the working class for the working class. Be sure to subscribe. So you don't miss the next episode while you're at it. Help us spread the word by leaving a rating and review. 